We apologize about the audio in this episode. For a show that strives on precision and excellence, it's a bad look. Zoom out. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is to live and die in L.A. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the erstwhile chest, wild blast, wild wait around a while, have a cup of coffee, sing a song about a tooth sack, John Jokins, Jack. Justin Waddell, how's it going? Man, it's good. It's super good to be here with you in Brownwall Studios. What's going on? We're back at it. Um, what's going on? Personally, or and, and just yeah, go you on. want a news update? I mean, you know, just just uh, got back from vacation. What? Well, not really. I guess it's been a week, but yeah, we were like, remember, we, I was in Indiana, and then yeah, came back, and is that a vacation? Yeah, it was sort of. It was. I, I took a couple of days off. And what did you do on those days off? I did some tourist oh, stuff. You did? Yeah, we went to went to a town. I bought a, a worry stone. Bought some, you know, toys and stuff for my kids' clothes. You know, did, did a, hit the shops. Speaking of worry stone, I watched some of Basic Instinct 2 the other day. Yeah, oh wow. Yeah, long in the works, Basic Instinct 2 that came out to a thud, right? Like, no one cared anymore. Uh, I care. And what do you think? You didn't watch the whole thing? I didn't watch the whole thing. I, Catherine Trammell. Was it Trammell? Trammell? Uh, I don't know, but she pronounces Michael Douglas's character's name differently than he did in the original movie. Really? Shooter? Yeah, but he was Curran, Nick Curran, and she calls him Nick Curran in this oh, one. She couldn't, she couldn't even remember. She didn't do the research. You better, maybe he became a Muslim. Oh, yeah, Curran. Yeah. But, yeah, how about you? How, what, you what have you been up to? I know you've been traveling a little bit. Yeah, I've been traveling like a song, mm. you know, just docking it out. Hitting the road in my bugle, boys. Doing my shit. <laughs> You ever get dressed up on the road to go out to dinner? Do you ever put the nice clothes on? And I have to wear a outfit of sorts. It's very yeah. This just visit visit the shops. Yeah, and no, stuff. no dressing up for me. But at night, you slam no. on some no. Because we, we're uh, we're talking a little bit today about a fashion plate in the movie, and I'm yeah. just kind of trying to get your fashion sense. Like no. what? No, I want comfort. That's all I want. I want yeah. to be left the fuck alone. I think that a lot of people want comfort in life. Sometimes people like to get uh, fancied up. Yeah, be something they're not. Yeah, a lot of people like to fake it out. Mm-hmm. You know, pretend, not be a real person. Oh, for God's sake, this is Zoom. 
But that's it. I got nothing. I mean, I'm worried about the news, all that stuff, normal stuff. I'm not worried about the news. I'm going to slowly back into our podcast and shield my eyes from the world, you know? I'm not worried. You're not worried, huh? I'm not worried because I got the warm embrace of our listeners. <laughs> well, we had a nice gift given to us by a listener. That, that was great. So I made a video of uh, a piece of our podcast named John Coop. Yeah, John Cooper gives the treat. But what's he? What's his at? His Twitter at? That's all that matters. His real names don't matter. We're about to blow up his social media. Let's give him a shout here. Yeah, at John Coop. Um, you guys can find him there. Um, and he did. It, he, he he bestowed our podcast uh, a gift. It was yeah. Very nice of him. Took the time. Yeah, based on our "She's the One" episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he waited for the big one. He did. Well, it was a big one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's really kind of great. we got some good movies coming up. Yeah, you threw me for a little bit of a loop today. You presented a lot of choices, and I did not know which way to go. Yeah, I threw eight I threw eight Blu-rays at him. Yeah, and it was, it was a, I, I could not pick. I couldn't even pick when you, you whittled it down to three. I, I still couldn't pick. I like, you know, if we, if we presented those eight choices to the listeners, there would be a lot of... Uh, I mean, people wouldn't be able to be productive at work. They'd be, like, arguing over this. We know how it is. We throw people into a a fervor. Right. Yeah, anticipating what we're going to do next. Yeah. yeah. And so when they see the other seven films, they're going to be like, you, you guys fucked up. These guys going to do... hope they do Suicide Squad 2 or something. No, they, no. No. How about Free Guy? Uh-uh. What about that Mark Wahlberg film I can't wait to do? What was it called? Like Joe Globe or something? Joe Globe. I don't think that's it. Joe Toot? What's, it's like... It might be Joe Bill, Toot. Bill Afrigan? What's it like? It's Joe like something, it's, it's right? It's like Mike Hat. Yeah, let's let's try to think of it. Let's try, let's try to sound it out. Joe, Joe Bell. Oh, you knew it all along. No, no, it just, just hit me. Do you know that... Uh, who plays his father in that? Who? Tobin Bell. Did you know he's in that? No, you know, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. Chelsea Ross, do you see him on CNN re- reviewing it? No. Hated it. Why? Because up your butt, Joe Bell. <laughs> I don't understand the reference. Major League. Is that what he says in Major League? Sort Chelsea Ross. Uh-huh. I mean, an icon. Yeah. He's great. Yes. He kind of had a, like, a little bit of a resurgence these last few years. He never left. But you know what I'm saying? Like a new appreciation, a newfound appreciation in his later days. Yeah. How's this COVID, I wonder? It's fine. I thought for a second he was the one who played the father in Gone Girl, but it was the guy from The Thing. David Big Hair Guy. What? Who played the girl's father in Gone Girl. I th- for a second I thought it was Chelsea Ross, but it's a different actor. The, the mother actor. the mother of that girl just just was killed in a uh, motorcycle accident. Oh, that's fine. She got hit in New York City or that's something. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine? I mean, it's fine. It's counter to what we're talking about. I don't know. Don't throw you... grief on top of my actor from the thing. David Palmer, maybe? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, Palmer's his character. Yeah. But David, um, yeah, he's he's older than dirt. Like, he, he looks so old now. But he's great. I mean, I'm not, look, hey, I look old, too. David something, you're right. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> David Palmer. Uh, his name's Palmer? Yeah. Kurt McCready in that one? <laughs> <laughs> his name is in the tip of my my bulbous head. 
David Bell. <laughs> I know a David Bell. Yeah, coach of the uh, no. Phillies. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, the Phillies coach is named David Bell. Mm-hmm. Is there men? No. The coach of the Phillies, his name is David Bell. No. <laughs> Listeners, go Google and discover and then make Justin feel bad. He's the coach of one of the major league teams. I hate him. You don't like him, huh? Uh, David. He used to be on uh, 30-something, I think, for a while. He played like their boss. He's had a storied career. I can't remember his name. Let me look it up. Don't give it to me, though. I, I won't. I'm looking it up, though. Oh, you know. it's. I mean, it's a perfect name. Hold on. You're going to kick yourself. Is it David Nunziata? No, okay, hold on. Um, give me a first initial. C. I give you a sounds like, if you want. No. David. You're losing it. You would. This used. To, this. You would wake up knowing this name in the past. I never said his name out loud. I don't think. That's not true. <laughs> when I come. Is <laughs> his name David Cum? No, this, no this, wonder you don't remember. What does it sound like? You haven't said it in a long time. Oh, Clemen, uh, Clemen. Uh, yeah. Okay. How'd you How'd you get it? I thought Cum. <laughs> <laughs> just Just celebrated his 99th birthday. <laughs> Bullshit. My man, looking old. Let me see. He, he just pulled in more than Shy Mullen. 78 years young. Um, let's see what, if he's working. He's always working. He, he's been working since forever. Yeah. Great in the thing. Played a... He was the, he was the, he was the one on the couch that wasn't human. You gotta human. be fucking kidding me. I think he's just kidding. I think he's just kidding, right? He, he is silent. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I was just quoting Marley Mallon. You guys can catch him. Uh, he'll be in the Requiem Boogie coming out soon. The, yeah. the, the Aronofsky PTA joint? I'm checking to see if it's a Marvel movie. Nope. But uh, Ever Carradine's in it. Who? Ever Carradine. Is that whose daughter? Come on. David? Another David. I don't... Robert? Not Robert. Keith? Maybe Keith. It might be Keith's kid. Could be David. I mean, ever sounds like something that David would name his daughter ever, right? Robert wouldn't, because he's fucked. No, Robert wouldn't do that to his daughter. She's on The Handmaid's Tale. Who isn't? By Clennon. That's a <gasps> daughter of actor Robert Carradine. Her name's Ever. Yeah, he went there. He did do it. So he said, if he ever gets laid, you got to name his daughter after it. Might have a zoom in. Yeah. Committed the ultimate crime. What's that? Named his daughter Ever. Ever. Yeah. That's a that is really a stretch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of pretty. Yeah. She's a she's a she ab- abstains. She's a she's a completely, you know, asexual. Yeah. Sex versus ever. Guys, we're talking a lot about movies, but we're not talking about movies. It's the movie microscope, ladies and gentlemen. It's a show where we zoom in. 
We follow. We watch a film through peach pit industrial eyes. We hammer the homestand until the kids come rugging out. We fear what's right. Touch what's wrong. Watch a film through the bastard's soul. Touch a movie until it's clean. Watch it disseminate. See what makes or breaks and share with the likes of you. So if we're talking about White Oleander, we wouldn't talk about the scene where we take a hard turn to White Palace. James Spader fakes an orgasm on Susan Strandon's face. What? Talk about the little moments. <laughs> 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 today's movie is loaded with come uh, little moments. I can't remember White Palace too much. I know that. They did have a hot and heavy affair in that, right? Susan Serena and Jane Spader. I'm not sure. I think, I think she plays a waitress. They fall in love. Something. There's some. I mean, it's a steamy. It's, it's movie. a made. What do you call it? May November romance, whatever. I guess so. I mean, Susan Sarandon's a little bit older than James Spader, I guess. Yeah. You know, Susan Sarandon is a legend. May December. Good. Late legend. Susan Sarandon. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was known for having the best breasts in Hollywood. Do you remember that whole story? I don't. It was like a big thing. Okay. Uh, married to Tim. Was. Oh. They split out. Oh, God. Such a long time ago. I got a question. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your favorite Susan Sarandon movie, and why is it Where the Heart Is? What is my favorite Susan Sarandon movie? That's a good question, because she's made a lot of good movies. Um, I mean, I don't know. Thelma and Louise? Okay, it's a good one. What's yours? You don't have one. No, there's a there's a ton. Bull Durham, I guess. That's up there. Dumba's up there. Did she win awards for Bull Durham? Do you remember? No. No. That's where she met Tim Robbins. Uh, way to go hard and deep. And then they um, had children together, and I think they later split up because she watched uh, some of his his movies he directed. <laughs> What, Cradle Rock, Bob Roberts. Cradle Rock is a pretty awful that film. That movie sucked. Yeah. Has an amazing cast. Jack Black? He's in it. Well, he's in he's in Bob Roberts, which is actually good, but... I think Cradle Rock was the first movie I saw after Jack Black blew up, though. I think it was filmed before he blew up. Yeah, he was in Bob it's Roberts. It's a fat joke. But he... But he um, yeah, Cradle Rock had like a ton of actors, and it just is not a good movie. But I haven't seen it for a long time. Did he direct anything after that? He directed. He uh, had to have. No, he directed. Uh, he didn't direct the Death Row movie, did he? Dead Man Walking. He won an Oscar for it. I think. Did he direct it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's in that. Mm-hmm. You see the remake, Dead Man Walking. Who? Great industrial soundtrack. Great. Lots of. Uh, Dubstep and oh okay. Uh, look, so today it's live and die in L.A. It's a big one. Mm -hmm. It's the return of a few movie microscope legends. A few, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's at least two. There's the number one maybe microscope legend yeah. in this film. If we were to, if we were to have a Mount Rushmore of movie microscope legends, 
He would be the Washington. Yeah. William L. Peterson. Oh shit! I was gonna say Steve James. <laughs> yeah, William L. Yep. This is the this is the quintessential William L. film, even more so than Manhunter, I think. Right. This is this is it. Follow, this follows Manhunter, right? When when a man? Oh no, actually, predates. this is eighty five. Predates, right? Manhunter is eighty six or eighty seven. I don't know. They're mo- yeah, maybe. God, when is Manhunter? Forever and always. It's amazing. But we've uh, done that on here. Am I right? Yes. That makes me happy for a variety of reasons. Think. We have done it. Yeah, we've done it. Because we, I mean, we've done a lot of William L. movies. You know what that means? We can move on to the next in the series. Mindhunters? No, no, the next. We can do more of those Thomas Harris stories now. Oh, God. We can jump to... We, we can go pivot to Red Dragon, or we can pivot to Silence, or we can pivot to Hannibal Rising. Well, I mean, let's start with the best. Hannibal Rising. <laughs> um, Manhunter is 86, so William L. diving from this into that, like playing the same dude almost. Yeah. Except... And, that's not true. And Manhunter, he's a little bit... A little more psychological performance. A little bit creepier. Yeah, a little bit darker in a way. And this, he's he's kind of in desperate mode in this. In, in, the, this in the latter half of the story, yeah. I love that scene with him after the credits. So, what's your relationship with To Live and Die in L.A.? I mean, I saw it, like, I saw it in high school. Um, I didn't get... I think it was one of those movies that struck me weird. Because it has such a weird tone to it, but I remember, I rem- you know, there's there's stuff that I remember from it. I remember Defoe more than I remember Peterson's. I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you remember this. He dies in it. No. I remember that scene, but I remember um, Defoe a lot for some reason. I don't know why. Because he was alien. He was weird. It must have been his face. Yeah. yeah. But there, he's very charismatic in this movie, and you kind of that'll be your secret. But you're kind of. In a way, it's like you you get a lot of you're kind of sad when he goes. I think a little bit. I don't think you got the point of the movie. I know. See, I, I saw this in I think in middle school. I remember me and my buddy Sean and Kevin, who mm-hmm. are both beloved. Yep. Kevin's hot, pretty doing pretty good in the film industry himself. Um, we watched it as a like we got it at our local video store. Who would let us take R-rated movies home, and we're blown away. It was the taboo movie. It felt like a taboo movie to be watching. Right. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't know it was based on a book. Didn't know it had, a, like, a super rocking score. Right. But, man, yeah, when William L. takes the loss three-quarters oh, of the way through the film. Actually, it's more like four-fifths right of the way. It's right at the end. Yeah. But it breaks the rules. But it felt to me like he died halfway through the movie in my memory. I know. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was such a shock the first time you see it because there's no... You basically think in that scene, and we'll get to it, you think Pankow's out. You think he's gone. I didn't think that. You didn't think that? No, I just thought, hey, they finally found their quarry. The movie's about to wrap up. Doesn't. Well, whenever he gets the gun drawn on him, I'm saying. I thought he was blown, going to get blown away there. Oh, right, right. Anyway, back it up. The beginning. So the big thing that you love about this movie is one of your favorite bands is all over the soundtrack. Wang right. Chung. Yeah. They're all over this thing. Right. They sprinkled. They put Wang Chung they, they, over a cheese grater and just. Right. Isn't that what Mari Povich's real name is? Hey, he's married to Connie Chung, isn't he? Or was? Is? Um, I is. can't still be. Is. There's no fucking way. Speaking of ever, their love lasts forever. There's no way they're t- still together. I would put a dollar on it that they're still together. Well, that's perfect. 
There is no fucking way. Let me do the honors. You don't leave more. You don't leave more Povich. That's uh, viewers did. I think he made that decision. By the way, that was uh, that's what he said when he watched uh, the dailies of Entourage. Maury. <laughs> no one said that in history. <laughs> Still married since 1984. The year me? they got married and a year to celebrate their marriage, they went and saw this movie. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Their anniversary. Got married in 1984 to Connie Chung. Still blasting it. And um, he's 82 years young. Chung? <laughs> How old's her? She's 74. Body. She's a spring chicken compared to him. How much? She's still looking. 74. She looks good, right? I, mean, I haven't seen a picture of her lately. I, I, you know, is she on Insta? I'm about to go to find out. What? I don't think it's a pro. She, her, her ad on Instagram is at Pove Bitch. It's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's not cool. Yeah. Um, but she. Did you get those sneakers she put out? Oh, no. Those Connie Airs. Oh my God, they were so good. Anyway, they're still going, and you know what? I owe you a dollar. You do, and I'm just happy to hear it, honestly. And Hollywood is just like a... It takes a machete to relationships, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to navigate uh, matrimony and, and staying together in that land. And guess what? Yeah. I mean, they, they're probably NYC, though. But still, they're connected to that industry. It's hard, man. Yeah. But they're grown old together. I just checked Sweet. Maury's Snapchat, and they okay. got to page three of the Kama Sutra during COVID. What is page three? Is that the the table of contents? Because that's that's, yeah, that's uh, shaking hands and having a formal introduction. <laughs> they do include that kind of stuff in there. I never cracked that book. book believe it or More not, more like a table of Connie tents, if you know what I'm talking about. Because he had a Connie tent when he got the book. <laughs> so I just I really have I don't think I've ever cracked that spine of that book. Have you? Have you looked through it? No, but I'll tell you, we are courting new listeners. Talking about Connie Chung, Maury Povich, and a book that's hundreds of years old. But that's the manual, right? That's that's yeah. where you go to to figure right. it out. Yeah, that's yeah. like a screwing technique thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of get your birds in a row. Yeah, I I saw that one of the I heard that the update includes missionary in front of a screening of To Live and Die in LA. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I guess we could cross that off. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, so this movie kicks off, right? So it's a. Why don't you give a, the summary of this movie? So look, plot and the uh, cast. We counterfeiting is a thing that really happens mm -hmm. uh, in the in the seedy city of Los Angeles. It's a constant fight to keep that fake green off the streets. Mm -hmm. And our story details uh, some Secret Service operatives who get knee deep in the thick, trying to stop a particularly dangerous counterfeiter. But amidst that, also dealing with their own inhibitions and willingness to let the corruption seep into their own psyche. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And then terrorists blow up on buildings. <laughs> yeah, the movie kicks off with uh, William L. Peterson, Secret Service agent. Um, they're, I guess they're kind of uh, taking, you know, taking turns guarding this hotel. I think it was Reagan speaking there or something. I don't know what's yeah, happening. Yeah, that but, was the illusion. And so, <clears throat> and, uh, William Elt sniffs something. He he walks out of the hotel room where all his buddies are playing cards. It's his 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 turn at bat. He's it's him. He has to guard the front door. Uh oh, he hears something funny, mm -hmm. and he starts William Ellen down the hall towards the noise, and um, he soon uncovers a terrorist on the roof. Of course, and he 
he's he's loaded up with dynamite. He's strapped dynamite to himself. And William Mel's like, look, hey, let's be friends. You know, like puts his gun down, puts his gun away. No need to blow yourself up. Yeah. But what's he really doing? He's buying buying time mm-hmm. for the Stan Lee lookalike partner of his. To climb up the building? Makes no sense. And pull the terrorist leg. And as the terrorist starts to fall, he I thought the partner was gonna get blown up. Yeah. But instead the terrorist uh, does blow up midair, um, I, you know, and the partner's fine. He has a shoulder injury. Yeah. And I think he got it from climbing up the side of the building. Now, they don't show you how this guy got up there, but I like to imagine that he's kind of spidying up the side of the building. So I'm our grappling hook. Grappling hook could work. I was thinking it'd be better if he starts on the ground floor mm-hmm. and William L. just talks to this guy for a long time. He's like, look, so, you know. So anyway, they're sitting there, and this guy... Missouri Breaks came out in theaters, and... (laughs) Jimmy Hart is his name, I think, in this. For a while. And he utters what Nick and I... We can't be sure, but might be the first... I'm too old for this shit. No, there's actually a dialogue bubble on page 18 of the Kama Sutra. (laughs) Well, that's probably not true. It's his 85, right? Yeah. When did... Lethal Weapon was 86. Lethal Weapon came out after this, yeah? too old for this shit. I wonder... There may be a German Scheiser film that had that line, but... (laughs) Reminds me of that famous line in Benjamin Button. I'm getting too... I'm too young for this shit. Yeah. I'm getting getting too young for this poop. I'm getting too old for this shit. (laughs) How did they not... How did somebody not do, like, in Master Commander, like... I'm too old for this ship? Captain Aubrey's like, I'm too old for this ship. Yeah. And he's talking about the Acheron. You know? That's a big one. That's like a comforting line reading, you know, or a line to say. You know, I think the audience loves hearing it, you know, because right. everybody kind of looking forward to retirement, I guess, someday. Yeah, I didn't like that line. It, I didn't like it in Django Unchained, though, because I'm too sold for this shit. <laughs> which I just watched this weekend. Right. Um, again. It's a great movie. It is. It, I watched three, four movies this weekend, including this one, and that was... This and that one were the, the two highlights. Who's your favorite in Django Unchained? I mean, I mean, I, I, it's hard. Waltz is so good. His character, he's so, he's so good. As good as he was in Inglorious, he might be better in this. No. No. I don't know. I mean, Inglorious, he's so oh, good. Oh, Inglorious is a perfect, like, it's the best Tarantino film. Um, but he has a great character in this one. But Fox is fantastic. I mean, they were going to cast, I think... Will Smith. Yeah, right? And so... Yeah. But I can't, it's hard to imagine him in that role. I think Fox does such a great job in it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it was originally going to be Will Smith, and then for a step, Lachlan Monroe came in. And then they settled on Jamie Foxx. Although Leo owns... In Leo's good, too. Samuel L. is amazing in that movie. Samuel L. is just so awful in that movie, yeah. Him and Leo are just... No, Leo's not that bad. As far as, like, their characters. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah, but he is fantastic. Hey, uh, Christoph Waltz's exit. Did I keep saying his name wrong? Is it, it's what Waltz, about, right? What about his exit? I just love it. Like, it's, he just, he kills DiCaprio, and he's like, I couldn't resist. Like, it, he, as right before he gets shot. Because he knows. He, he dies he, in it. <laughs> he knows that it screws everybody when he does that. He knows it probably costs Jamie Foxx's life. Because I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. And there's so many good little character moments from other people in that, too. yeah. yeah. It's got, it's got a, you know... I mean, you're talking about Tarantino specifically, right? No, I'm talking about that movie. Tarantino, you know, tries on an Australian accent. He does. But it, that's got a, our, our boys in that scene. MC Ganey? 
MC Ganey's in it. He's great. He has like a he gets killed and he, he the way he hits the ground in that is amazing. Who's our boys? Uh, Remar plays two John parts Jarrett, in it. John right? Jarrett. Doesn't Remar play two roles in this? Remar plays two roles. Right. John Jarrett and, and who else? Uh, Michael Parks is in that scene. Right. Um, Walton Coggins in there. If I'm not mistaken, Lee Horsley in the movie. Maybe. Um, Don Johnson, Jonah Hill barely. Channing Tatum. No, no. that's hateful. Mm. I'm forgetting some people, but oh, yeah, like uh, what's his face uh, from Twin Peaks is in it for a second too. You got Kerry Washington in that. Yeah, I mean she's she's one of the major roles. I was talking about the little guys, um, but anyway, Kerry Strug was in it. Um, so yeah, Lundine L.A. Some shitty ass camel work starts this movie off. You talking about the credit sequence? Because I kind of liked it. The credit sequence. Bad camera work right before that bad camera work moving around the hotel. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you know, Friedkin known for his, like, some of his first-person shots, right? Like, mm-hmm. And so there's plenty of that going on, it seems, even before the car chase. Oh, he has a shot of Adam in the movie? <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, and so then, but I like the credit sequence, even though it was kind of, a, it's like, it's showing, like, the city, like, the, I'm, I'm going to zoom in real quick. This They shot this in L.A., Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, uh, and uh, uh, you know, showing the, the kind of the, the the criminal element of that of that city, and then the, the, as the camera kind of it's just exposes showing skyscrapers. That. No, they're showing people like dealing drugs, and I'm talking about the shot of the skyscrapers in the night, the shakiest ass camera work. Oh, yeah. that's what you're talking about. I'm talking about the credit sequence. And you got Wang Chung crooning in there. This is—it's uh, so funny how much of an influence this was over Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, hugely, yeah. especially Vice City. But it's amazing how. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that that was—that's not like a Zoom or anything like that. That's kind of tapestry of it. But yeah. you know, they say that Miami Vice influence. Th- this is so ingrained in that. Yeah. To the point where it's almost. Yeah, the two movies influenced. I think this and Tootsie. I think those are the main right. GTA. Yeah. Um. But no, this is um. What you you were singing some Wang Chung during this? Well, it's hard not to. You're big. I hate Wang Chung. Always have. They were the first fake tough in my life. What do you mean? They were the first fake tough. <laughs> and later on, we get to we get Kenny Loggins being a fake tough for me. We get Richard Marks being a fake tough. But Wang Chung is the ultimate fake tough. So these guys are not, are they are they British? What, where are they from? They seem like a British band. They're not. They're from L. Are they from? Are they a Hollywood band? There's no way they're from L.A. So anyway, freaking everything ha- about them is fake as fuck. I bet you they're probably from like Missouri breaks. Freaking ask them not to write a song because they did the soundtrack. So there's plenty of Wang Chung. This is a world that like when people are roaming around L.A., Wang Chung is playing like everywhere. They're coming out jukeboxes. Radios. I just uh, typed in Wang Chung and accidentally ordered food. Sorry, Justin. Are you hungry? And um, they're English. I was right. And so he asked them not to write a song called "To Live and Die in L.A.," which they and have those lyrics in there. And they didn't listen. And Friedkin loved the song that they served up, and that's what plays over the credits, I believe. It um, doesn't play over the credits. Are you sure? Positive. It plays early on. It plays early on, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. We could probably read the lyrics, but. I don't it's, know. It's it's so funny though because they have these bombastic keyboard stabs, mm-hmm. and 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 aggressive beats, and then the pussest voice. Yeah. And 
pseudo artful lyrics that really actually it works in context with Willem Dafoe's character's mm-hmm. lifestyle because there's a lot of people struggling to find art in life and failing. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't work for Bill L because Bill L doesn't need no help. There's some effective cues like whenever and the things, no, we didn't do that movie. It's when things start to go bad or get a little tense like every once in a while they'll play that you know like this little mm-hmm. like on you know like kind of but you know Wang Chung doesn't sing over those those pieces unfortunately we should we should re- read some of those uh, lyrics I'll, I'll look them up and we'll keep talking about the movie so I will say this my, my first zoom um, when when William L is going after the terrorist on the rooftop mm-hmm. the terrorist has killed a patrol officer on the roof yeah he strangled him yeah he's dead Mm. William L. checks the guy out, and then he goes to find out the next clue, and he kicks gravel onto the corpse. Does he really? Yeah. He is hopping around that roof. I, it's a good reminder, because he he's, like, flitting around up This up is there. an athletic showcase for William L. Oh. Sort of, I guess, yeah. I no, mean, it is. He runs a little bit. But you notice his one his trademark, his trademark legs in this. You kept bringing it up. Oh, he's, this is perhaps his the peak of his bow-leggedness. Yeah. He may have softened that shit down after Cousins. You get surgery. All right, I got the lyrics here. I maybe it goes. If I let myself go, and for where I just don't know, I'd maybe hit some cold new river that led out to the sea, an unknown sea. I, I won't go on. Um, but they really did like capture the essence of this movie with those lyrics. <laughs> Perfect. I thought they really dug deep when he said, "I wonder why in L.A." To live and die in L.A. Yeah, yeah, I know, and I wonder why we waste our lives when we could run away to paradise. Right. Um, but you know why you can't do it? Held in some invisible vice. Really? Uh huh. That's a shame. Vice? That sucks. Yeah. yeah. Super sucks. Um, fake tough. Great name for a band, though. I mean, it means a yellow box. <laughs> what the? What are you talking? About? It means what? It means yellow bell. Oh my God, this is such a zoom. That's what I never even thought that Wang Chung meant anything. It meant it means yellow bell. Huh? Yeah. Wow. And it, you know what? I get it. Who wants to call their band Yellow Bell? It sucks. It sounds like a soft drink. Yeah. Um, you have the new Yellow Bell. When Tobin, when Tobin scared. Yep. Or piss. All right, so let's keep going here. So they get off the roof. I mean, the, you know, and it's it's retirement day for uh, uh, William L's partner here. He's he's retiring. They're at a bar, and William L, like known for his like, to Nick, he's like a fashion um, legend, uh, legend and accident. <laughs> he is wearing a uh, Steelers jersey in this. Sort like, of. It's a Steelers jersey with a scarf around it. Of course he is. Now it is December in L.A. You're right. So it's only 70 degrees, just like it is in July. But he is a, that is a, and then he's got the tightest jeans on. He yeah. he really is loves his tight jeans in this. And Nick had noticed at one point he saw some jeans on an ironing ironing board. Yeah, there was a scene where he goes to Darlo and Fuegos. I think uh, that's his apartment, actually. Okay. Is it not? Maybe I think not. it is hers. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell. I can't um, zoom in. But uh, it's funny. I was watching this scene with his tight ass jeans. I was like, man, you can almost see his dick print. Man, that's as close as I'm going to get to seeing his dick tonight. Uh-uh. This movie features full frontal 
William L. Yeah, you get to find out what the L stands for. I didn't uh, even know that or remember it. I don't know. That's a big... That's a movie miracle, my yeah. friend. And it's funny because uh, Freakin mm-hmm. can be heard yelling from behind the camera, I can see your Peter, son! <laughs> he directed the cameraman to capture that crotch. Right. Yeah, and... Um, well, Mel, no problem. Like he's a theater actor, he, he doesn't not care. He's gonna strip down. You know, he doesn't care. He's gonna show it. You know who saw this and got the night sweats was Craig Wasson. <laughs> I know, I know. Ewan didn't care though. Yeah. Maybe that's his uh, his uh, shown peep hero. Yeah. Well, uh, Ewan McGregor. Maybe he looked up to William Mel back in the day. All right. So anyway, so we're getting ahead of ourselves. That scene doesn't come until a little later. But what's probably, happening? We'll probably this, be talking about it. What is this retirement party? And William Mel brings a little present for his buddy, who is like two days short of retirement. Right. So you know he's gonna die. Um, and he gives him a fishing rod and like a uh, like a steel like blueprint holder. I've never seen a fishing rod delivered. Can I super in zoom in? I mean, you have though. I actually watched a an Asian gentleman receive that exact same gift. Really? As a child. In a tube. He had come from Japan. Apparently, it was it was a big deal in Japan. It had not hit the states yet. Mm-hmm. And he and he gave it to uh, his uh, a his, friend his or family. Okay. He moved. You know, he was staying, and he had this telescoping fishing pole, which my father was blown away by. Right. And it came in its own little. And that's tube. what that was. Yeah, exact same pole. Wow. Which actually threw me for a loop because you know, in retrospect, it turns out that this guy was a fucking liar. What do you mean? Because obviously they're not only in Japan and they're not that hard to get. Because yeah. William L. got one for... Well, maybe William L. special ordered it. I mean, it's a special day for him. I mean, he loved this guy. He loves his partner. They're not only partners but friends and they work together for seven years mm-hmm. and they have two days left, maybe less than two days left in their relationship. Yeah. William L. doesn't know. They have less than two days left. And uh, this guy's going out to investigate... Um, Rick Masters. Rick Masters. William Defoe, and he's like... He's like, I gotta, I gotta fly solo on this. I don't want a backup. Why? Why would I want? I, w- I don't want to survive this. Look, I gotta go on my own. William L's like throwing up his hands. He's like, I don't understand. You gotta take me with you, but uh, he doesn't. Anyway, so they cut to William, De- William Defoe, he, and they really, there's like spent about five minutes showing him actually counterfeiting. They really get in there. Freakin really wants to show it, doesn't he? I wrote he? this. Thank you for showing us counterfeiting in real time. And uh, they really, they, he goes all out. That was a big. Thing. They wanted to get that right. I think they hired a guy that was uh, actual an actual counterfeiter. Right. And uh, he he uh, verified the scene. But can you trust him? I mean, true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He could. Anyway, so yeah, there's a there's plenty of stories about how some of these bills they printed out uh, got into actual circulation because they did actually counterfeit for those shots. Apparently. Yeah. Um, I thought the first clue was that John Pankow was the face on the bills. I mean, who's the more counterfeit bill? Peterson or Defoe? That's such a good question. I mean, it's not Peterson. It's got to be Defoe because you can't spell his name right. I know. Yeah. He threw you for a loop with that E. When he was m- mixing them paints, did you sort of get like, man, does this guy realize he's a bit, he's going to be the Green Goblin? He does mix paints. Um, he does blow on, like, plates. Like, I don't... I don't. I don't really know. After watching that, I don't. I couldn't counterfeit, but it does seem to involve paper plates, not paper plates, but paper comma plates, 
and uh, lots of mixed together paints. Do, do and his his finishing move is to put poker chips in the uh, dry dryer with him. He puts a bunch of I don't know what else does he put in there. He puts poker chips like some clothes or something, yeah. something else, and then all the money. Yeah, because you want to make the money look used. Right. And I think they only zoom in. They don't want to look make that money look hot off the presses. Right. And so yeah, and so then. By the way, how much does it date the film? Well, because of the way the poker chips look. Because of the tw these twenty dollar bills. <laughs> well, who's putting the time in today to counterfeit a twenty? I mean, you know, he was an amazing counterfeiter. That's the thing about William, though. He's a little bit of a, a maniac, and you think he's good. At, he's an artist. I mean, they they show you that's how you kind of meet him. Is he's burning one of his works? Like he he paints for pleasure. He's actually kind of a well-known artist and he but he only does his art for himself it seems. And he uh, he 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 burns his paintings. Mhm. Mm which is a strange thing to do. We get to watch that in real time as well. Yeah, you do. Um well, now well Wim Devoe's introduction of Lever Streets of Fire, I think that was sort of where he kind of okay. sh shoved himself into America's eyes. This yeah. is when he he was probably at his most reptilian and foreign at this stage because I remember hating him just because of how a Canadian actor is he a Canadian I don't know where is he from give me a birthplace please gotcha um, uh, he's from Wang Chung give me a family history if you could I'd like to think that he is I would love it if he is a um, completely normal guy in real life he seems like a nice guy. Born in the frozen tundra of Lake Winnebago, Wisconsin. Close. I got close. Was he's from Wisconsin? Yeah. <laughs> Defoe? Yeah. That is that's throwing me for a little bit of a loop. Wisconsin's own Willem Defoe. Have they claimed him? I never hear anybody bragging about Defoe that lives in Wisconsin. His brother has a Wikipedia page. What do you what what? Do you have a twin? Donald Defoe is an American surgeon and research assistant. Hello. He's got his own Wikipedia page. Donnie. Donnie Defoe. Let me get an age. Is he younger or older? But he's older. Yeah, he's got to be. Willem feels like a younger brother a little bit to me. He, uh, no one knows. He is fucking a big deal in the medical world. Is he? Yeah. He's throwing hearts into bodies big pancreas guy which was yeah you know, hits, hits a little was close he a suicide squad or um <laughs> Willem Dafoe what a fucking legend legend and, and, and an amazing actor as good now if not better like he hasn't he, there's no bad there's no downtime for Bill no. Dafoe and worth watching things just cause he's in it cause he's got good taste well know? he's got good taste not worth watching things cause he's in it but you a mean, great complimentary piece I don't understand. I'm not gonna. If Willem Dafoe is your lead, mm -hmm. hard you're there. Left. You're there. Hard left. You're there. <laughs> Super hard left. If he's my third build, could not be more bells on. Yellow bells in particular. <laughs> I could not more Wang Chung to that movie. If he's yet. a lead, you're, you're avoiding. Yeah. Seriously. I'm 100. percent He just did that movie. What was it? A Picasso movie? He played. He played a painter. Yeah. Van Gogh. Is it Van Gogh? Yeah. Yeah. Did not see it. Did not see. 
I think it, Light Sleeper ruined him for me because that movie sucks. Speaking of Susan Sarandon and Paul Schrader, who directed it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't like that movie? Uh-uh. I I saw it a while ago. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to catch up with it. I don't think it sucks. Schrader, you know what? It's a, you know what? It felt like a toned down version. The hot dog sequence wasn't nearly as robust. The, the stuff in the boys' school wasn't nearly as robust. <laughs> well, that's why they call it light light sleeper. Uh, is he a light sleeper in a? You know, do you do you remember what the the title comes from? Does he not? I don't remember. He's not down in melatonin or whatever at night. <laughs> light sleeper. Oh, we should do that one. I we, bet there's. We will. I, I bet there's somebody in that cast that you'd be thrilled to see. Uh, I know that Sarandon is in it, but there's other people too. Let's get it. Let's well, that's like what is that? Late eighties. Later to the light. I'll say ninety two. That's my guess is when that came out. From light sleeper to the lighthouse. I mean. Yeah. So let's talk about it. What did you say? What and year? I'm gonna say ninety two is you my killed guess. Killed it. Ninety two. Are you fucking me? Perfect. Yeah. No fucking way. Yeah. You nailed it. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna give you the cast. Okay. Hold on. Okay. You're gonna guess? No. But is there somebody great in it? I mean, David Clennon in it. No fucking way. <laughs> are you kidding? He's in it. No, are yeah, Clennon in there. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm Holy shit, we've unlocked a fucking secret vortex. David Clennon killing it in, on his IMDb uh, photo. got the jean shirt on. There's a t- Canadian tuxedo in this movie. Dana Delaney. Victor Very Gar- attractive at the time. Victor Garber. Early Jane Addams performance. A good actress. Love Victor Garber. Um, Sam Rockwell. What? Early Rockwell in this. David Spade. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm just reading all the hits. Um, early Rockwell. Guy, he started off strong. He 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 worked with Schrader and uh, Victor Salva early in his career. Victor Salva, his first movie was that Clown House movie, whatever it was. That's the first. That's the first Rockwell movie, I think. Unbelievable. <clears throat> um, this will be edited out, but I'm checking to see if Light Sleepers on any formats. Of course it is. Streaming somewhere. Available on Prime. I've seen that movie more than once. You're not kidding about David Clinton in it? He's in there. Mary Beth Hurt. David Spade. I missed Mary Beth Hurt. I didn't I cannot believe we did the we did the Dave Clinton. Of course, we nail it. We got there. I got the date right. So let's get back to the movie. His partner does uh, go to so you know Defoe is doing his shenanigans in like a warehouse in the middle of nowhere. He finishes up, dusts off his hands, leaves in his sports car Ferrari, which, Ferrari, which is incredible. Wow. And uh, cut to this partner that has two days left on the job, tiptoeing up through the desert, you know, uh, to this warehouse. You know, gets the binoculars out, whatever. He's he's casing it. He's saying. Huh. By the way, there's a very bad acting moment. When yeah. he checks left and right before looking through his binoculars. It was almost like the director freaking at the last second said, Hey, before you look through the knocks, you know, yeah. just do a quick glance left and right. And it looked like it was the work of no study. Well, that's what I think. almost felt like he deserved to die. So, uh, well, you get your wish. Um, so he does go uh, to kind of look at this. This, this this warehouse, he's like kind of on the outside, he's looking around, he's sniffing, he's 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 sorting, he's soft-shoeing, he's doing all sorts of... Soft-shoeing? Yeah, he's doing all sorts of detective okay. stuff out there, he's 
he's patting the walls he's he's kissing the ground and then he throws open a garbage uh thing that you saw earlier that defoe had dumped this money in a garbage bag in this big dumpster right correct so you're like oh man this guy's gonna find this money but he doesn't find the money instead he finds a bullet to the chest or a shotgun blast to the chest and then to the head and then they shoot him again yeah yeah so defoe's hiding in this bus and then he defoe has a little like uh I don't know what the actor's name is, but he's like this... Henchman? Henchman, he's like, all business. This guy's a threat. You hated him during the movie. He's very hateable, which is a good acting job. I did, I did not like this guy. I wanted to see him get killed. He, by the way, he gets some serious finishing moves in this movie. What do you mean? Oh, he's, he's doing headshots left and right in this uh, He film. kills leads. He kills... He does. He kills Defoe. He kills... But I, he mean, did, I mean, he kills Bill L. He does like, I think, two headshots... I know he he's he's all for killing. He's not. He's also involved in Steve James's. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He shoots one of those guys in the head. It's just, it's craziness. Yeah. But this guy's a horrible. Anyway, so they kill this partner and they dump him in the trash. Uh, and uh, William Allen, everybody else, a little bit later, for some reason they're on the way there too. They get there a little too. Well, no, late. no, because later on in the night he hasn't reported in. But how do they know to go there? That's well. Remember, the film co- constantly shows you the time and date. For no reason. For no yeah. reason. So it's obviously the evening when they come. So apparently our, our, here, our retiree uh-huh. just never came back, so they're all scared shitless. But I don't know why. How do they know he's going there by himself? Did, they, did he tell yeah, them where they, they were yeah, going? Yeah, because William L. wanted to go with him in the first place. Okay. So anyway, they go there. They got guns out. They're, they're investigating. And then they, 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 they trip across a very subtle clue. The garbage can is leaking blood. Big time. The dumpster is leaking blood. William L. says, oh, man, I hope Defoe's in there. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I hope he's in there. And that's where we sort of meet John Pankow as well. Pankow shows up. He, he's John under- Vukovic. We hear yeah, his yeah. name more times than I want to hear. Yeah, and he's uh, this high-haired, soon-to-be partner of his. And he's he's there looking at this bus. Like He's a, he's like trying to open the bus door. But Peterson, man, he throws open those dumpster doors, man. Oof. He like, sees the bad smells news. Smells like dead cop in there. Smells smells the bad news and sees the bad news. Yeah. Uh, someone's really dead. Retired. He did get to retire. Yeah. You know. And uh, Peterson does not look happy about it. Looks sad about it. And uh, but he where does he go next? Is well, he, I, will, I will say this: there's no way that the body would leak that much blood that that far post mortem. It's a huge mistake by the filmmakers. Killed outside the dumpster bled out in the dumpster what a zoom yeah yeah but i did love that freaking had the balls mm. to show for, uh william l peterson looking through his receipts for that telescoping fishing pole <laughs> gets to take it back yeah uh well he's not going to be able to do any fishing pretty soon either unfortunately <laughs> um william l uh, one of another Movie woman, the actress we talked about before, Darlene Flugel, or Fu- how do you say her name? I it doesn't matter. Let's say Darlene Flugel. She is in uh, um, Running Scared. I think is when we when we uh, noticed okay. her. Yeah. Um, she plays like an informant that is that Peterson's working with to get uh, information to take down criminals and get get some information on Defoe. On, but she he's also sleeping with her, big time, and he is a total dick. Like to her, like such a jerk. Um, he seems like she seems to have feelings for him, but he does not treat her very nicely. Uh, I mean, to be determined. He definitely uses her and then threatens her with imprisonment if he does, she doesn't continue 
helping. She's always trying to make ends meet because she's got bills. She's got a kid. Um, you know, she needs him to help her as well, but he's always dangling imprisonment over her head. He sucks to her. He sucks as a cop. Um, not a nice man. Not a good at his job. Nobody's good at their job. <laughs> In this movie, no. Every cop movie we do is cops that suck at their job. <laughs> well, um, but I did like the I did like where this movie goes because you think like what they do to kind of take down Defoe really backfires on them in a huge way. I forgot about that. I, I missed that part. When? It goes bad? <laughs> I, I know it went bad for him at the end. I just didn't remember exactly it's the a, building blocks to get to. It, it is a super clusterfuck. It is, And yeah. it's also absentee leadership in the police department that causes it. So here's so here's the status of our, our two leads. So you got you got William L. His partner has been killed. He's desperate to cap, capture Defoe, this criminal, uh, who's eluded the grasp of police. Seems almost even though everybody knows his name, everybody and knows he, him, and that he's a counterfeiter. That they can't get anything on him because he's got a badass lawyer, played by Dean Stockwell, right? And then um, uh, John Pankow, Pankow, who's the new partner, much to uh, William L. Uh, Peterson's chagrin. He's like a good kind of angelic cop. Like he he's like he plays by the rules at first. He's kind of the angel to Peterson's devil, right? Right. And guess who else is introduced in this movie? Early in his career. One John Turturro, the faded gigolo, fading gigolo himself, shows up as a uh, um, a courier. Right. Like uh, of, of of fake bills that you know they 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 arrest at the airport, right? He's in, he's thrown in jail, but he won't turn on uh, his boss. Totoro obviously came out of the acting room fully cooked. Amazing. Because every, everything that you know about Totoro is completely present in this role. He's super confident. He's great. Like, I love him. He, he's... I, I forgot that he was in this. I I forgot that character, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was happy to see him. He plays Carl. He's got a. I love his twisted little face. Yeah, he's yeah, a pretty uh, big part, pretty important part. So he's in jail, and Defoe visits him, and he's like, "How did they catch you? Did you, you know, because what, what what was supposed to happen? They, they caught him, and he was supposed to make a delivery and then leave at the airport, and he gets arrested. So Defoe's convinced. He talked to the guy he made a delivery to, um, and the guy said, "Hey, he, you know, John Turturro, the fading gigolo himself, never came here." I never got the money. So Defoe knows either Totoro's lying or this other guy is right. lying. And Totoro swears up and down. He's like, I'm not going to rat on you. I Listen, didn't lie. Little brown wall. Just a, just a hint of brown. All right. It's this other guy. Right. It's Max. This Max something. Yeah. And he and that's who our two new uh, cop buddies, you know, the newly joined, newly formed partnership, William L. and John Pankow, are staking out this guy's house. William waiting for uh, the foe to show up, and um, they don't do a great job. They're in a church, and they're in actually a, a kids' play area at this church where there's uh, all sorts of kid artwork on the on the uh, walls and a teepee in the middle and of the room. A, you know, a variety of balls. Yeah, like balls. And then the, the non. And and then the accented priest shows up to bring them snacks. I think he brings them milk and cookies or something sweet. Like right. it's like he's not bringing them anything well, hard. He, he just has those things in hardcore supply because he needs them for his other job. All right. 
You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking yeah. about. This guy gives them, I believe, warm milk and cookies, which is a huge mistake because they instantly go to sleep, and which allows Willem Dafoe to then... Uh, via his uh, partnership with his girlfriend. His... Do you think that priest roofied them? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> and uh, so, because Defoe has this uh, interpretive dance artist girlfriend um, played by... Deborah Fuhrer. Deborah Fuhrer. And um, who's good in this, I think? She's all right. And, trying, uh, trying hard to be Connie Nielsen. And uh, she goes in the first of this guy is making a delivery but kind of flirting with him and lets Defoe in. And then all sorts of stuff goes down. This guy ends up being this... Oh, is he a lawyer, too? I don't know. He's a lawyer, right? Or something? He's Who? something. The guy they killed. Ends yeah, up he's, he's a lawyer. Yeah. Ends up shooting this guy in the pee-pee. As he's trying to recover his uh, as his counterfeit bills. Defoe's trying to recover them. And then he ends up shooting him in the head as well. Both heads, I guess, as they say. But not before ripping his taste in art. does. He says... What does he say? Because your taste is in your ass. Right. Yeah, he gives him that brutal cut down before he, he ends his life. Well, because the, the, the Max smashes him with this idol, this sculpture. Right, and yeah. The, well, the they fo- have him. Yeah, he tries to get away and then, and then shoot Defoe. Defoe shoots the living dick out of him. Mm-hmm. And then he picks up the idol and looks at it and goes, your taste is in your ass. Yeah, he doesn't like it. He, yeah. he gives him that because he's an artist, so he knows his stuff. Uh, and then he shoots this guy dead. He... And, and as our heroes across the street are napping. Unbelievable. Didn't we do a film recently where... Oh, yeah. Into the Grizzly Maze. What? Marzin was napping when he should have been doing watch. He did. He goes to bed. Yeah. He wasn't napping yet. He just gets into the tent. What's he going to do? That? That's another thing is, like, they put him on watch. What's he going to do? Say bear? That's loud? it. That doesn't give you much time. It gives you time to know that a bear's coming. Bear. And then everybody's asleep and they get supposed to get up. Right. I don't... That's a bad... It'd be weird if somebody was dreaming about a bear, mm-hmm. and that just made the dream more rock hard. Yeah, you ever dream of bears? Oh, fuck yeah, man. Yeah, it's like why did I take this? Um, and then we lead to the scene where everybody cares. What? Because Bill. Okay, so this lawyer oh. gets killed. Yeah, they fucked up on their job yet again. Right. Willem Dafoe is like, I'm gonna go back and get some sleep. Inside a woman, you know? yes, and he goes to Darloan Flagle, her house, and she's sleeping, and they exchange sweaters. William L. undresses, she dresses in his shirt, and then he starts to get this look in his eyes, like he, like she's his prey, like he's gonna hop all over her, and they then flash back to that look, like that scene. Three times after this, yeah, after he's dead, they flash back to that look, like we, his little. I don't know what's his, what's the expression he's wearing there. It's, it's an animalistic gaze I for guess. sure. Anyway, so then they start to yeah, that's when we get to see uh, both of them in the buff, but especially William L. And they're yeah, he's hopping all over her. Well, it's, it's pre-hop, I guess. It's close. Yeah, you assume the hopping. I just can't believe it. I just can't. I can't guest either. Appearance. <sighs> Oz, yeah. Hey. She's like, are you guys talking about William L. Peterson's penis? Because I'm... I need to hear more. Um, she's about... He, he He's about to rub with the microphone. There you go. Did I say she? Yeah, but... You, I didn't mean to. He's got a small dick. That's why I get it. Um, Sorry, Oz. Cats I didn't have mean tiny to. dicks. It's a huge zoom. 
Yeah, I can't. I mean, how, how many major stars hang dick? William Ellen couldn't wait to get that out. Like he, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's whipping those pants off immediately. There's a lot of uh, like William Dafoe also gets naked a lot in this, but you just see his butt a lot. Everybody's butt is in this movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of William L is hiding his naked in this. He's fully naked, but he's hiding his dick. A you lot think so? In this. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not, dick hiding. He didn't hide it very well. William Dafoe. Oh, Dafoe. They said William L. No, he's burning the, the fire. He's burning counterfeit bills naked. He's is a lot of naked, but he's always hiding his. his Who needs clothes? I'm sure it's for some reason. Maybe he's hiding his get, shame. Maybe he doesn't want to get his fibers on stuff. Is that what's happening? Well, then but later on, he started in a bunch of Lars von Trier films. Although I think that was the stunt dick in Antichrist. Was it? Yeah. I never saw it. I've got the Blu-ray if you'd like to stay a little later tonight. Does it stay intact, his penis? It's fine. Yeah. Um, no, seriously, who hangs dick? I know Bruce Willis hung dick in a movie. You see Nicolas Cage's Merkin in a movie. I mean, you and we talked about. Yeah. What, I are, mean, the ma- what are the major stars? I mean, there's only one. Killing Murphy. Well, does it count as hanging... I mean, I'm not going to add it up. Like, so what are the major stars? of? Has Sam Levine ever shown his dick in a movie? <laughs> From Freaks and Geeks? <laughs> I mean, is that a rhetorical question? Nothing's coming to mind. Did Renee Arbogonis ever show his dick in a movie? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Dead, right? I think there was some nudity in um, Suicide Squad, too. I think some male nudity. James Gunn at least talked about it, but I can't remember. James Gunn, man, out there failing a little bit with that movie. So I love this. There's a line where William L. Peterson says, I'm only interested in Play-Doh, which is adorable. It is cute, yeah. He was talking about counterfeit. Well, she was trying to give him some, um, uh, Darlan was trying to give him a hot inside tip about some money coming into town and the a criminal element and he's not interested he only wants information on Willem Dafoe Willem Dafoe uh, I'm sorry what's his name again Rick Masters Rick Masters and um, that's when he says that right I'm only interested in Play-Doh baby by the way unfortunate for frequent to have the balls to hire a Willem and a William as his two stars it's gonna be tough for me for the rest of the show Brown Wall coming in hard yeah speaking of Willem William L <laughs> coming in hard Anyway, there's a. I forgot to mention there's a tall at the beginning of the movie, uh, as I think William they're going through a kitchen in this, and there's some tall chef hats, and I realized I didn't really, I never knew what a tall chef hat was called. Is it's it, like a toque or something. Yeah, exactly. Is that how you say it? Something like that. There's also something that's not tall in this movie. Let's talk about the tallest person in the film. Okay. So John Panko interrogates somebody at an art gallery. Yeah, and I love this. I love that they hired an actual person who, uh, with a disability to play a character in this without any sort of explanation. Oh yeah, he's like an art dealer or like an art aficionado. Yeah, but he's it's, it's a guy that's had a rough go, and they're like, no, no, we're not even going to explain this here. He's in a wheelchair. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair. There's a couple. I think um, this. I mean, not disabled is probably the wrong word. Handicapped. That's but people in this movie I noticed. Um, well, other than Pankow, this is pre Monkey Shines Pankow. He He's looks just, good. You think so? He looks vital. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
He's a that that they cast a Freed can cast one to cast non actors. They didn't have a big budget for this movie. No, Got non William. names, non names, not act. He wanted actors. He wanted non. What I say, non actors. Non actors. Sorry, non names, not big actors. And then um, I think Peterson uh, recommended Panko. Yeah, they're buddies from Old Chi Town. Yeah, they're buddies from the stage. And uh, he's like, hire someone. That looks a, not as good as old William L. Please. Yeah, they're like, let's get this guy who's a rock. Yeah, and and honestly, okay, is Mad About You his big thing? I don't even call it a big thing. But that was the show he was on first. Yeah, place. he's in episodes later on in life. I think we mentioned all this. Pink Guy was in a ton of stuff, but yeah, Mad About You. He played like the brother or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And then and then we get to see John Turturro in a Canadian tuxedo, which is amazing. <laughs> So I mean, we're the plot is like pretty thick in this one. Um, so what? What? So you know, there's a Willem, Willem L hires some guys to that, or I'm sorry, Willem Dafoe hires some guys to make, you know, t- to take a hit, just to just to clean up everything, just to be sure, because they killed the one guy, um, the lawyer. I, why not kill Totoro in prison? You know, why not do that too, just to clean up everything? They try to kill him in prison. That's what I'm saying. Why not do it? And because he's, even though Totoro's not going to turn on him, he still wants to be safe. Hire some dudes to take him out, and it doesn't succeed. And so then, um, you know, it's just... It's great. It's great. Totoro kind of knows that's happening. Gets, I think it looks like he gets stabbed in the arm. But anyway, he does... Womo shows up to the prison to talk to him, and he's grimacing. You think from maybe getting stabbed in the arm or something, but he's got an ulcer. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bottle of Pepto-Bismol when Defoe comes to visit him at the jail as well. Yeah, really? So what does he say about Pepto-Bismol? It's like concrete, pink, pink concrete. Concrete, bullshit. pink cement. Yeah. Which is a huge... Uh, you know, I heard the Pepto-Bismol makers really took issue with They're the fuming. description. Yeah. 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 They, he really kind of dives deep into his dislike of But their sales quadrupled because of this movie. You think so? Yeah. Is that real? Is that true? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Totoro had to come out later in life and apologize that he really does. He is a huge fan of Pepto-Bismol. Right. And he was playing a character, thank you, that didn't like Pepto, but in real life. And that's the kind of, he says, that's the kind of risks he takes. You know, he takes he on characters. shade at pink things? No. <laughs> He'll take on characters that have uh, different, you know, differences than him. Not, yeah. a, not a real fading gigolo either in real life. By the way, Pepto-Bismol, uh-huh. that name product of its era you think so pepto huh? you don't bring a you don't bring a product out called pepto bismol today when's the last time Sounds you took like a character from the fucking cantina when's the last time you took a swig of that stuff not too unrecently not too bad of a taste i don't, I don't know what i don't hate it what's the complaint of Chalky. i didn't believe it Chalky is one of the bonuses yeah because it feels like it's working yeah it feels like it's coating your entire body to protect yeah. it against intruders and it's just like just enough to not make you grossed it's fine. Right. It comes with this little cup. Fun to drink out of. Fun. Great color. Beautiful pink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a robust pink. You feel it. It's almost like you could... You don't even need a, an ultrasound to, to feel it going down your body. It feels like you could actually you apply could, it to your skin and it would like feel nice. You could identify where the bismol is in you at any given time. Yeah, you feel it go down for sure. Yeah. Like the bismol's yeah. circling my, my dick right now. Yeah, you know, the only thing is, like, you if you take some... I don't know if you ever had any of the chewables Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. You ever do that? Yeah, but I liquefy them and drink them. 
Are you serious? I, I crave it. So let's say you eat some Pepto-Bismol uh, before bed. Maybe you don't brush your teeth. I don't know. what you, You're like, oh, eat it late at night. You wake up with a black tongue, my friend. Are you serious? Yeah. So what happens? I don't know what happens in that mouth from Pepto, but yeah, you wake up with a little bit of a black tongue. I'm going to zoom in. Because I woke up one time scared. I got nervous. I said, what happened to me? Oh, that's right. I ate Pepto-Bismol before. It does something in there. Maybe it's maybe I'm wrong. Hey, listeners, try it out. They do a little test. That'd be funny if you check the security footage on your home security, and you see uh, after you ate the Pepto, mm. you went to sleep, and then a, a, a minor demon mouthfucked you throughout the evening. I was hoping you'd make it sweet. I was wondering. I was wondering if this would, how bad that would go. A minor one too, huh? A minor, minor demon. D a e m o. Yeah, yeah, like a minor, like one that's not as powerful. Right, but right. Black, it, it black ejaculate for days. Yeah, ejaculate. I like that charcoal toothpaste. By the way, use it. You use that, huh? Exclusively. Do you ever uh, shortcut it? Put it in your grill. No, but score some in there and light it on fire. What? How does that work? No. A little lighter fluid probably needed for that too, but. Right. I, Chark, why you feel it's working? That's why you like it. It's yeah. gritty. Yeah, yeah. I like it because I it, it covers my teeth in black, which is the entire goal. What about the baking soda toothpaste? You like that? No, I don't. Because yeah. doesn't baking baking soda has a, a different use that you put it someplace? Like in your, what you put in your fridge? Yeah, yeah. It's dumb. Uh, where were we? <laughs> I think we're at the part where oh, the, the attempted hit on Totoro. We're creeping through this movie. Oh, we really are. We are. We were going to keep it short. It's anyway, an let's just let's just minutes. let's speed it up. Defoe has to like go, ki- you know, strong arm the guys he hired to take out Saturo because he they didn't do their job, and he has to get money. But that goes violent, and then William L. Um, they can't get to, they can't get Defoe. They can't get Masters. How are they going to do it? They they go undercover. That's what they do. They go undercover and introduce themselves as these guys from where are they from? Remember? Yeah. Palm Beach? Palm Beach or something. And uh, Palm you know, Springs? They go undercover, old Totoro and Peterson. Meet. They get set up through this lawyer, Dean Sockwell, to meet Defoe, who's not hard to meet, apparently. And they, they want to get some counterfeit bills. And Defoe does some research, looks into their backgrounds. They're, they're out. They're, they're, their disguises, their, their pers- personas. They're too convenient. Pretty solid. Pretty they, convenient. He didn't really see anything shady. And he goes, okay, give me 30000 and I'll get you some counterfeit bills. Give me a, he wants some a starter money. And that leaves our cops, our heroes in a lurch. They go to their boss. They're like, hey, we need thirty grand." He's not giving it to them. What are you, crazy? Yeah, fuck you. He said, he goes, I've had plenty of cops meet masters, and he asked for this shit, and, and we never give it. Who plays their boss? Robert Downey Jr.'s daddy. Just call him Robert Downey Sr. I think he just goes by Robert Downey. Yeah, because he didn't know he was going to have a kid. At the time, and R.I.P. Recently, I think. Yeah, he's gone. But he plays the co- the, the the he plays the brick wall, and Peterson's all pissed. He's like, "I need that money. Yeah, I need that money, man." Nope, ain't giving it. So what do they do in order to get thirty grand? They have to break the law themselves. In the in the film's most excruciatingly long sequence, <laughs> they remember that tip from Darlene Flugel, and. Uh, they decide to rob this uh, this man coming into town with money. Um, he's got a lot of money on him, and they and Panko doesn't. He's like, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm by the book. I don't do this, William L. 
but William L. is desperate, and he eventually gets Panko on board. They come up with a plan to ro- rob this man, yeah. and they do it. How'd it go? How does it go? It goes bad, but you know what's funny? There's a lot of stuff that happened before that. I don't need to go there. We need to get to the end. What are you I, talking about? All right, go ahead. Check out. it off. Check um, it off. Okay, let me go through my notes. Uh, naked throwing the money away. Need one to float those money away naked. That stuck with me as a Oh, child. he burns it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of man ass, definitely. Godforsaken clothing. We haven't nearly talked enough about the clothing. Yeah, it's true. Um, but the biggest head on a beer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's when he's trying to convince Panko to break the law yeah, with him. Defoe, I mean, uh, William L. Peterson has a, a beer in a bottle. Yeah. And three Zoom quarters in. of that beer is a head. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. He must have slammed it down during a take. But, folks, if you're looking for the biggest head of beer in a can, in a bottle, ever, look no further. He can't convince Pankow to do this crime with him. And he's like, look, I don't, I didn't become a law enforcement agent to break the law. And um, William L. is, like, giving him shit. He's like, you don't, you're not willing to put it all on the line for this. And, you know, we didn't talk about this. William L., a little bit of a fan of bungee jumping in this movie. That's how, the, that's how we're introduced to him, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's like, well, quote, after, no, no, after, yeah, yeah. after the initial scene, he's standing on a bridge, looks like he's going to um, commit suicide. You're like, why is he up there? Is he depressed? Adrenaline he jumps. Junkie. He's an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, he jumps bungee. Um, early bungee, right? And when did bungee come into? Well, Joe Camp first bred him in, I think, the 70s. <laughs> and so, uh, and so um, later he talks to Pankow about base jumping. You haven't lived. Until you, ba- I always wanted to base jump in the rain or jump in the rain. Right, you know, no one cares about it. like that is would, such fucking male like just brag it. Write it in your journal. No one wants to hear that. You know, yeah. like anyway. So William L. A little bit of like Nick said, an adrenaline junkie, uh, and he can't convince Panko to do this crime with him, but he does. Like that's what you see. You see later on, he does. He nabs this uh, this guy at the train I'm, station. I'm not even close to there yet. You're not. We haven't talked about where Darlowan Fuego works. The strip club? What's it called? <sighs> Joe's. Close. Sh- you're getting there. Joey's? You're, you're so close. Sh- shipwrecked. Ship something. Shipwrecked Joey's. Shipwrecked Joey's. Yeah. But there, and it's it's Shipwrecked Joey's Carnival or something. It's, it's a strip. And yeah. you, did you see what, who their mascot was? No. Charlie Sheen at the end of The Rival. Like, like shipwreck, baby. <laughs> okay, and then we get to hear Dance Hall Days, which is Wang Chung's only hit. Well, right. they had two hits, right? They had everybody Wang Chung did right. too, yeah. Uh, and then there's a really good one-take scene leading into this chase. Like, okay. So you're saying they get this guy at the train station. Not they. William they keep Mel. calling him the Chinaman, but it's it's a gentleman of Asian persuasion. Who right. They, who they, who is involved An actor in you this. said you like, and yeah. I didn't recognize. I was... Uh, I thought he was somebody he wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because if, if so, he looks the same today. But um, there's a great scene, though, where they, so they're, 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 they elude these guys and they go to this underpass where they yeah. go to the under of an overpass. And there's a one-take scene where William L. takes out his frustrations on a suitcase. He does, yeah. Big time. Well, yeah, so this guy's got a suitcase and he's got, he arrives at the train station. William L. grabs him, leads him out of the train station into a car driven by Pankow. And they take him to a yeah like I said underpress um, and you know, William L. Peterson's like give me the keys to this briefcase the silver briefcase doesn't have it and he starts slamming it against uh, 
what is it? Whatever, like the the wall, whatever is there. Yes, and he breaks ports. it open, and what pours out? But a phone book, right? Right. And and for you younger listeners. <laughs> and then I, I was surprised that Pankow, who seems so behind the eight ball a lot of the times, or is that right the right term? Um, he seems kind of like he's catching up. I wonder if he thought maybe that phone book was worth money. You know, <laughs> it's like we hit, we struck gold. Um, but Peterson soon realizes that, okay, that means you got the money strapped to you and he makes this guy strip. Uh, what you realize as all this is happening, there were people that were there kind of that see this in progress. These guys are kind of waiting for this, this man to show up and they start pursuing William Allen Pankow and this guy and they somehow find them and start shooting at well, them. Well, at first it seems unrealistic that mm. at every corner there are villains waiting to attack them. Right. Once again, feeling like a mission in GTA. Right. And it's funny because there's, there's a guy with an M16 on the uh, on the uh, overpass aiming down at them, trying to shoot at them, right. get their attention. And then he gets bumped and he shoots the gentleman that they've got there, which is we find out was one of his coworkers. Yeah, so it's not, so we later find out this guy does take a shot to the back, and there's the the loudest gun death I've ever heard in my life, and and then um, there's a huge car chase sequence, which is freaking bread and but- bread and butter, right? And it goes on forever, crusty and shitty. And um, William was wearing a purple shirt during this with the pop collar, which is incredible. Is he wearing a sweater at this point? I don't think so. No. Okay. He's got that purple like whatever that shirt is pullover. And um, driving, driving the wrong way, doing all these, you know, car tricks, or, you know, whatever. Like, he's not, they get, they get shit. What happens is they kind of lose these first guys that are shooting at them. They think they're in the clear, and then there are a whole bunch of new cars start shooting at them. Constant. And, um, but they get away, and then they go to work the next day, and then they, they the, the Robert Downey is like, well, one of, uh, an FBI agent was killed yesterday. He's undercover. And so all the people that were pursuing them were his, were trying to guard him. I think they were fellow FBI agents or yeah. something. And so uh, Pankow can't take it. He is he in the back seat as they're getting shot at. He's having a breakdown. Yeah, there's some pretty bad acting from him. He's grimacing in the back seat. And you know William L is all adrenaline junkie. He's like visualizing himself bungee jumping as he's speeding through which traffic. Which was which was so freaking. It's a miracle Michael Mann didn't make this film. We talked about this when we were watching it. It is so right. Michael Mann. There was a rumor that Mann had like sued in the IMDb trivia that he sued Friedkin for stealing his uh, his his you know my the idea of Miami Vice, but Friedkin was like that didn't happen. We've been friends forever, you know. Um, so before the next day, it does when feel like a Michael Mann film. It though. does. Uh, there's a scene, so you know he's got this adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And he's still on this high after that, and he goes to Darlene's Darlene's house. Right. And he is jazzed up. He wants a drink. He wants a party. He's like really feeling it. Yeah, he got the money with him. He starts talking about the bench players on the Lakers. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear Orlando Woolridge mentioned in a in a major motion picture. And she's there like panicking because she's been trying to get in touch with him. Doesn't know if he's dead. Doesn't know what because happened. She gave him the tip about this guy. Uh, and she is like, he starts to attack her. He wants to kiss on her. She's pushing him away. He's like, he wants to, like Nick said, he wants to have fun. He's pumped up. Um, and then the next day they find out they fucked up huge. They killed a they killed a fellow law enforcement agent. Although, Peterson doesn't seem that thrown by it. Doesn't seem to care too much. He's still laser focused on their plan. Yeah. Um, but she does intimate to him some pretty deep shit during that evening. Okay, what? We well, remember what she thinks 
about the celestial bodies out there. Yeah, she talked about this before. She says she thinks the stars are God's eyes. She brings it back up. And Peterson was like, doesn't, he's like, I th- she's like, I think the scar- stars are God's eyes. And he says something like, nah, he doesn't, he's not into it. He doesn't believe it. Yeah. And then she brings it up again it, as she's worrying, like somehow the universe is watching them commit these horrible things, do these horrible things. And then William L's like, don't worry, nothing bad's going to happen near lock of 38 tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, so anyway, Pankow starts to have a nervous breakdown, realizing that he, didn't want to do this. Now that he's done it, he's actually killed a good guy. He's led to the death of, of a good guy. And he's like, he's torn. He said, should I turn our, should we turn ourselves in? What should I do? You know, he doesn't know. Peterson doesn't give a shoot. He is like, uh, we're, we're still taking down the foe with this money. Um, and so they, they try, they try to do that. They try to follow through with their plan. How's it go? Um, it goes fine for Pankow. Actually, the plan works. Yeah, they get Defoe to like commit all the stuff that they want him to commit. They want they to give them counterfeit money to take the money that they have brought. They do all that, and then they just triumphantly say freeze. The bad guys don't do it really, and instead they decide instead of freezing, they'll blow a hole in the forehead of William L. Peterson with a shotgun. Right. Which he, zoom in, yeah. does not survive. Yeah, and then the henchman gets destroyed. So Wilmel does take somebody to the afterworld with him. He shoots him. Yeah. but And then the funny thing is there's this awful scene where Pankow... Or does Pankow shoot him? No. Wilmel, they shoot each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pankow... Willem Dafoe disappears. Yeah, he gets out of there. He skedaddles. Pankow sits there talking to the dead, being a little wuss. Well, he's scared because... He says to him as he's speaking to the hole, the newly formed hole in Peterson's uh, forehead. He says, and he's speaking into it like a mic. Yeah. Don't leave me. Don't do this to me. Yeah. Wake up. And the hole's like, no, I'm staying. Yeah, I'm here forever. It's a hard. That's a hard one to survive. Hey, John Banko, by the head. Make him look less white and bland. Place where Masters Crowley shot his face. It was such a good day till he got shot in the face. It's his last full day.
Sort of gory, but I think I remember reading someplace where Peterson's whole thing was, I'm sorry, uh, Friedkin's whole thing was where they would shoot people with like a fruit gun or something like that. Because uh-huh. it's they're awful. It's actually awful. It looks horrible. No, it looks it looks sticky. It looks messy, yeah. But they're just shooting fruit onto their faces or something like that. Yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, he's 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 uh, I hate in movies where just like in Alex Cross, when his wife gets shot, he's more caught up in his wife's sad death. The fact that there's a murderer out there. Well, I mean, well, Pankow's a, sitting there kneeling with this whole shot guy, and Willem Dafoe's inches away. He, he could go chase and nail him right then and there. He does do it. No, he doesn't. He does. No, he doesn't. Not immediately, but he goes outside looking for him, and he almost gets run down. And then he knows where to go. Here's the thing, buddy. <laughs> he There's no plan for this. He doesn't know. I mean, there's no... You, you don't know what your action's going to be when William L. Peterson falls down dead in front of you? Right. I mean, universe, give me some time to recover. What just happened here? And he died in a sweater. The movie is desperately grasping for charisma at this moment. None to be found. <laughs> yeah, because all of a sudden your lead is John Pankow, which, you know what? I like him, but he ain't no Peterson. Right, and and, and Defoe ain't going to help you. And Friedkin knows that, too, because he keeps showing s- uh, some standing shots of Peterson uh, at certain moments towards the end. Even after the credits... Yeah, they show Peter. We stay through the credits, and we get that that animalistic view. One more shot. Had to stay yeah. through the credits because that song, "Intoxicating," <laughs> by Wang Chung. Actually, uh, anyway. I don't think really, really the last song is Wang Chung. It's not. No. But I want to I want to give this film a, a huge high five for celebrating androgyny. Yeah, because there's this great. Here's an '80s thing too, but I love there's this nightclub scene where Jane leaves from. Frazier, Frazier. Mm-hmm. and from uh, what other show? Oh, nothing. Um, 
nothing at all. I think they spell her name incorrectly in the credits. It's I think her name is L E E V E S. I think what's probably true is that she had a different name back then. She probably Maybe, yeah fucked yeah. around with it because she's like this ain't working. I tried to look up, then I realized that there's no reason to. Although that's our show, right? Jane leaves in the credits is L E A V E S. Yeah. Just zoom in. Yeah. So I like how. There's a couple of scenes where Willem Dafoe looks like he's kissing a man, and it's it, it's uh, Debbie Fuhrer, Debbie Fuhrer. And then there's some scenes where there's like this interpretive dance. I like I like the fact that Friedkin kind of just embraces the '80s pretty hardcore. Yeah. And uh, William L. You know he gifts Jane leaves at one point mm-hmm. to to his lady. Not he William L. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, he William that takes the L later in the film. I mean, no, but yeah, William, William Dafoe gives uh, the gift of Jane leaves to his girlfriend. But he also likes to record his scrumps with he does. his lady. He does, yeah. It's a, they have a powerful chemistry. They have a powerful uh, relationship. Those two. She reminds me of a Connie Nielsen role. I think if the film was shot ten, fifteen years later, Connie Nielsen would have been in yeah. that Deborah Fuhrer role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. Gene, Dean Stockwell gets to watch these videos at one point in the film. But yeah, this is all leading up to the to the big climax, where um, there's no climax, because <laughs> Pankow knows where to go to find Willem Dafoe because he's th- there's this building with a with an Asian symbol on the doorway. He knows where to go to find Dafoe. Yeah, yeah. That's what I say. Doctor Seuss sounds like to me. <laughs> Doug Seuss did the, oh, bear the places trainer? you will go to find Willem Dafoe. Um. <laughs> um yeah he does he does know where to go uh and he goes there and he's got defoe dead to rights defoe's sitting on the floor burning all the evidence and art and art and everything and then uh panko he loses himself in the fire it's what it seems like he looks at the fire and he kind of becomes entranced by it for some reason I think he's just kind of regretting all that's kind of happened up till that point and Defoe takes advantage of him of that uh, that little misstep with a 2 by 4 well no first Pankow hits him there's well Pankow gets him on he's got the gun on him yeah but that doesn't yeah maybe hits him to the floor or something Defoe does a big mistake here though uh, he pu- he pummels him with this two by four twice three times. Then he puts like uh, shredded paper all over him. I love that, which I guess is from the money, right? The counterfeit. And stuff. he's gonna about to squirt lighter fluid on him, uh, but he forgets to get this gun away from him. Yeah, he pays the hefty price. Yeah, he, he is shot by Panko and then incinerated. And there's that shot where he's like shot. He, there's a, sh- a shot of Defoe's face after he's shot, and he looks like. He's at peace with himself. His, like he's this is this is he's now a part of his art project or something. He's it? become an animalistic individual as well. Alan Parker saw this scene and said, "Well, I know who I'm going to cast next to William to Gene Hackman, William Burning. I've got the movie for you." And then um, he goes up in flames. He yeah. actually burns alive, burn, burns to death. Unfortunately, at Burns Month. I like the fact that they show his destroyed, burnt face. And then they have to do a thing where Pankow then he becomes William L. Peterson. He becomes that character of what's his name? Alex Chance or something? Chance? Ch- I don't know. His last name's Chance. Richard? I don't think so. Something Chance? Maybe Richard Chance? Yeah, Dick he Chance? Takes a Dick Chance at one point. <laughs> um, and then he goes. You know, he's like. 
he's now he's walking around with a pop collar. He goes to Darlene Flugel, who's trying to move leave towns. He goes, "You work for me now," which means Richard Chance. You got it right. That means that he not only will he be getting information for her from her, but they will also be entering into a um, a workplace affair that she does not have much say in. Because you know, well, Mel was when Mel was dangling imprisonment over her head. Right. What a fuck William Freakin can be. What do you mean? He casts William L. Peterson and Willem Dafoe to play respectively Richard Chance and Eric Rick Masters. Oh, man. His first name's Eric, huh? Rick, Rick and Richard and Willem and William. Yeah. John Vukovic in this. I got some good names. Not really. God. And then so... The movie ends with, yeah, so Pankow is trying to be a poor facsimile, and he does not pull it off. You know, and the movie misses, as is much of a bastard William L. Peterson is in this movie, you miss him, man. As yep. soon as you, you want to see his ghost come back or something. You want to see that whole... Well, we, we do get to see his ghost come back. At the end, after the credits? We see his, well, twice before, after he dies, we see him twice in that same shot. Don't forget. Uh-huh. Don't forget who the real lead was. Let's hear it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. So the movies were maybe that was in William L. Peterson's contract. I'll die. Like my character can die. I'll be in that role. But you damn well better show me alive at certain moments after I'm dead. I think it, the film would, if they wanted to stick to the realism, it'd be funny if Panko's like, "You work for me now. Get on the bed." He starts unbuckling his pants and then soils himself. He's like, "I'm finished. I'm sorry. I'm leaving." And he slowly walks out of the building because he's already lost every bit. <laughs> And that shot of him in the truck on the hill for no reason is him cleaning his pants. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that final shot of, of him pulling up to her house in a truck after he's already... Is that supposed to be the next day he's rolling up? Back to business as usual? What's going on? What's going through Friedkin's mind? Although maybe yeah, that's maybe. William L. in that truck. That's like his spirit living on. Yeah. He had a pickup truck, huh? Is that what that was? I don't know. Some van? It's like a Jeep? I don't know. There is a there's a shot of a weird looking van, a brown van with like green and orange stripes. I remember that they show in a traffic jam, and then the next shot, that's got to be the same van they show rolling the opposite way, not in traffic. And then they cut back to the traffic jam. It's the, the vans in there. They got multiple use of the same van. It's killed it. But it really took me out of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But didn't you have a an built an operation recently where you had a excuse me. <laughs> Did you have one of your businesses was where you took the famous cars from movies, and you you, you took a car from a movie recently and did a oh from our podcast yeah <laughs> yes I did you're right I did it was from one of the Ed Burns movies so that that might make the cut. from she's the one I think what that might make the cut the brown van yeah the brown van from from mm-hmm. Living Island you know it's funny this movie it, it, the eighties. It was a time and a place movie for me, though. Like you watch it now, and it's it's tough. Did you think in that his final scene, were you like more like William L. Alfiederstan? You know what I'm saying? He's out. Keep it in. Keep that joke in, man. So you so uh, look, you sauntered up inside of one of the valley's most seedy tattoo parlors. Right. Needle words. The guy's asking, "Hey, look, sports. Um, what do you want on your bod?" time to carve something into you that's how tattoos work right yeah they carve them into you for sure mine's easy mm. 
it's a spoof across my entire back of Pankow as James Bond from the poster for For Your Eyes Only. Okay. And it's him really small with his gun aimed at us. And that's all you see. And then in the bottom, there's an asterisk that says, not pictured William L. Peterson because he's too bow-legged for the legs to show up. Because <laughs> he he's, sp- he's, he's supposed to be through the legs? He's supposed to be through the legs, but he's too fucking bow-legged. Too bow-legged for it. See? What would be my tattoo from this movie? I mean, there's so much to pick from. Like, And, and if you think about it, what a joy. What a wonderful thing to have on your body. Yeah. Um, I would just have the, you know, I'd get William L. I'm sure I did before. I'd get William L. Peterson tattooed to, uh, to, to my arm or something, to my leg maybe, you know, in, in honor of his legs. Um, and it would start with the line, I'm fine, in quotation marks. And it would be a shot of his head, um, you know, a picture of his head with a, right where that shotgun blast goes, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just a mini, tiny, like, doll-sized bulletproof vest there. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm saving him from his fate in this movie. Right. And I, and I, and it, under it would be from to live and live in L.A. Right. Yeah. Let's take out the word die. They really did double down on that die word, didn't they, in this movie? Right. There's almost no living. Oof. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I'd just like to have William L. on there somewhere. Yeah. I wonder if anybody... Do you think anybody actually has a William L. Peterson tattoo? I doubt it. But I would bet there's, there's somebody be out there with the word Chung on their dick. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Maury. Film's over. Credits of Roland. I think it's over. But after that last shot of William L. Looking all cat-like and prowly. There's something else waiting. What is it? Oh, man. What could it be? Lead it scene. A multiple stinger. Darlene, Darlene Fuegel pisses on her pregnancy test. In real time. Okay. Bing. Mm-hmm. Positive. Oh, shit. Takes the child to term. Releases it into the wild. Comes out. Um, she, now, she was, she was a loose... I mean, she had... She had multiple partners, this character, obviously. Right. Um, child comes out. Pre- complications during childbirth, big time. Right. Head, not a problem. Okay. Shoulders, bell. We so, get to those legs. <laughs> like, did you fuck a horseshoe? What the <laughs> fist? She's like, we will not need a paternity test. <laughs> My deleted scene, my end scene involves her as well. Pankow comes in like Fonzie, mm-hmm. and he's like, look, here's what we're doing now. I'm the new William L. I'll be sleeping with you and getting information and treating you like shit. He leaves in his little car, and she calls um, his boss, and she said, this little gremlin just came in here and threatened me. He's uh, responsible for the FBI guy's murder. Uh, he's stashing money here. He gets arrested and actually put on death row. She gets out. The city pays her back. She's fine. She's free. She gets to have a nice life. Yeah. Free of these scumbag cops. Uh-huh. Um, 
and you raise her child and find love in LA. Move somewhere else. But she goes to Seattle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She's done. I like that's what I'm doing. That's my delete scene. Yeah, mine's better. <laughs> I'm not saying they couldn't combine them. She uh, can she still has get a happy birth. life. She has a painful birth. Let's, I mean, it's like flip a coin, really. Right. Um, you've been given the, the financing to greenlight your own sequel to Live and Die in L.A. Yeah. How are you spending them hard earned? Spreads I never did one. with just Pankow. Oh, it would have killed. What's that stuff you put on that people put on chicken? Uh, you got to narrow that down. But it's like it's like a breading. Pan- it's not oh, a panko. Is it panko? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was about to zoom in. I was about to say some. I uh, probably would have wanted back. Does he? Does he think he's the heir to the panko for it? Do you think that's him? Is it his family bread and chicken forever? Yeah. He was he rich and he was like I'm going into acting. Yeah, I gotta let loose this talent on the silver screen. And then and then somebody's like, uh, it's a style, not really a product. I thought it is a it is a product. Though. No, it's just a style. No, they have. You, but then we're thinking of the different thing. Panko is like that long thin breading is rather than like crumbs. It's just it's like more splintered. But you, it's still called that though on the store when you buy it, right? It's, it, but it's not called Panko brand. It's like. Panko. Style. Panko is a style. But what pr- images? I'm looking at images for Panko. Okay, I didn't know it was the style. Common in, in Japanese tempura. Okay. All right. I don't know. I thought you could get that in the store, like, in a like a can that has John Panko's face on it. <laughs> um, That's the sequel. No, I'm just I'm just talking freely here. Do we are we doing it? We're doing a sequel. Um, go ahead. Mine's simple. It's low budget, super mm-hmm. low budget. Yeah, Burns would be thrilled. Don't have the money for L.A., so we do to live and die in East McKeesport, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you just took mine, by the way. I was gonna do a flip that's to live and die in A.L. Alabama and just have the same <laughs> with the twang, you know. Go ahead. No, this is just, you know, honestly, it's it's about a small-town cop, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, walking the beat. You know, one day, somebody offers him a bribe. It's like, look, if you let me have this ticket, I'll give you $15. And he's mulling it, mulling it, finally drags the guy's ass in. Yeah. Yeah. They put him on death row. Yeah. That's huge, the end, huh? Yeah, huge zoom. Yeah. Well, I would do the sequel would be To Live and Die in L.A. 2. Uh-huh. Zero. To Live and Die in L.A. 20 because it's about a sentient $20 bill that comes to life after <laughs> Defoe dies. His spirit, and he dies, it's transported into one of his counterfeit dollars. And he, um, he can walk. <laughs> he can talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, the mouth yeah. moves. Uh, is it Jack? Who's on the 20? Jackson? Am I right? Uh, Andrew Jackson? It's been too long. That since I've been yeah, rolling, I can't, zoom, I can't zoom in that hard. Um, and he, and it's just that him trying to get by as a twenty dollar bill, you know, like just walking around trying not to get spent. Right. That's not his goal. Right. His goal is to. He's like, and he's like a Chucky in there, so he causes people's death as a twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like someone tries to roll him up and snort coke through him, and yeah. he ends up shooting up to their brain and killing them. You know, coming out their mouth. Who's top billed in this? <laughs> the photo's a voice, of course. 
you know, it's just, this could really, yeah, turn into a little bit of a horror film, but I'd like to see his character continue in any way. Right. That'd be good. And, you know, if you're doing a sequel now, it's perfect because you don't need to age him down. Although, does he age? Not really. And if you see, you know, he just look like a $20 bill. Yeah, does he age? I don't think he does age. You come out looking like a screaming shit. There's only one. You know? It's less of a journey. Um, all right, so it's not fair. you're in the movie. You're in to live in nine LA. Yeah, what yeah. kind of character do you portray? Silicon Valley calls up all the big entrepreneurs on the West Coast. And I come in. I got static permanently in my hair. Always, always sticking out. You can hear it crackling. Oh, wow. And my, I got unkempt, cut off jeans. But I am, I'm walking like I got no stick, no stinking shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, sir, are you here for the conference? This is supposed to be the wealthiest individuals in the West Coast. I said, I'm, I'm invited. And then they look on the table, and there's a, a name tag that says Shipwreck Joey. <laughs> <laughs> and I am fucking loaded in it. I was trying to think if I could. I have decided, believe it or not, as much as I have trouble coming up with this stuff sometimes, I'm trying to decide between two characters. One of them being like in a, one of the interpretive dance troupe that keeps trying to work uh, an umbrella into the act. Uh, another, the rest of the gang frowns upon it. But I, I think what I would do, I would show up at William L. Peterson's funeral, and I'd say I'd give a eulogy, and I'd be like, "It's hard to lose your best friend since childhood." we were so close we were like brothers and it would just be all about me and old William L being the best friends and freaking would be pissed because I would just call him William L. Peterson during that scene <laughs> <laughs> and just talk about how close we were how uh, much we had in common how right. much I looked up to him but he looked up to me as well mm-hmm. you know I th- that's my character right there. The l- person that lies about being his best friend at his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, even given the financing to have your own business related to the Living Dying in LA, money's cleared escrow, you're ready to go. Yeah. How are you spending that shit? So, when was the Gigapet invented? Is this a serious question you're asking me? Like, I have the answer like on the Tamagotchi, or whatever it's called? Yeah, yeah. When was it invented? Well, let's say it was invented. Mm-hmm. 1800s? So, I went nuts. I've got uh, a virtual pet. It's keychain sized. Mm. It's a little Rick Masters you could take around with you everywhere you go. Right. It's like a little. It's a little Willem Dafoe. You know, really weird face, stretched, uh, wiry as hell, naked, uh, really kind of pronounced chest, mm-hmm. hiding its its personals. You know. A little digital screen, little two-bit monochromatic digital screen, and you basically have a little Rick Masters you got to take care of. Right. Rick Masters is hungry. You know, you like you have to feed the little Rick Masters from time to time, or he'll wither away and pass. You know. You got to check in with Rick Masters. First thing. <laughs> 
You'll eat sushi probably or something. Rick Ma- right? Like you, you know, you what you're at you're at, you're like you get home from a hectic school day and you forgot Rick Masters. <laughs> <laughs> he died. Oh, you left shit. him in your locker. Oh shit. Oh no. <laughs> Trying to break into the school. Yeah, and luckily the, the school has pre-printed excuse slips saying my Rick Masters died. But <laughs> what a sad event. <laughs> Sounds uh What's the huge gift this Christmas? Oh, man, the kids are going nuts. Oh, you're talking about the digital counterfeiter that they keep in their pocket? Yeah. Um, you may, you're well aware of... I don't know if you remember color forms, do you? Am I aware of color forms? How dare you? I don't know if anyone remembers them. I used to have some Herculoids ones yeah, that I loved. So picture a... You open the box, mm-hmm. and in there is a... Briefs only... You know, topless, bottomless, but underpants. You know, boxer shorts only. William L. Peterson. I'm not interested. And you get to put so many color form. You can mix up his outfit. You know, you can you can clothe William L. Obviously, his clothes from this movie, from Manhunter, any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But also wild clothes. Like you can put him in like a. Uh, top half of like an astronaut suit and the mm-hmm. bottom half Bermuda shorts. Right. You know, something like that, right? So you get a, you know, stuff he would actually wear in real life too, all this stuff. He he, personally um, chose all the little, you know, the palette of whatever, the, the color form clothes that you can pin on him. You know, he definitely turned down anything looking halfway normal. He does wear a pinstripe suit, st- pinstripe suit in this movie. At one point, right, and you could just tell by the look on his expression on his face that he was horrified. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I like I like I like the fact that nothing's out of out of line for his character. Mm-hmm. So you get the color forms. You know, it's like uh, he's wearing. You know, I guess what you'd call uh, some. What do you call those? Like beach those beach like those woven pants. It's like they're very thin and sheer, and they kind of like a Pierce Brosnan pant, you know, like a like I don't know. a knit, sucker, like a it's like a burlap kind of thin material. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like that on the bottom and on the top. He's got a, a tank top and Yoda on his back. Yeah, it's like you know, you, you, there's no combination that doesn't fit. And then of course you get the fashionistas of the world, the Mister Blackwells of the world. They're like, you can't wear Yoda after April first. Yeah, yeah, gauche. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea of William L. being interchangeable. Well, and I didn't describe the, the the whole thing to you. I, I was saying it to them, but he does have that shotgun blast in the middle of his forehead, too. He's is it a color drum. form? He is on a slab, uh, is, and you're dressing him. For the funeral. You're just dressing him after death. I don't know if you're dressing him for the funeral, but uh, you do have that. You you broke, you kicked in <laughs> toward the morgue, and you are <laughs> able to dress him. Um, his final outfit, Nick, I guess, yeah. And then they co-branded, co the, the co-branded with it so mm-hmm. it's called color lifeless for him <laughs> there you go he does uh, definitely put the color in a color form that man mixes colors doesn't he yeah he's got some amazing astonishing fashion in this I bet he's got a, an insane sock collection. wearing ties where ties shouldn't be worn wearing Scarves. ties where ties should should be worn and fucking it up wearing a Steelers jersey in LA tucking in sweaters v- weird v-necks mm-hmm yeah, showing no undershirt either. I mean, he's just showing, showing Peter's skin, you know. Yeah. Well, literally. Well. <laughs> First yeah. time ever somebody said, "Put on some clothing, William L. <laughs> Dress up, 
Use he, fashion. He even has a towel. He he do, he did this in a lot of his movies. He has a towel around his neck. I think he always. It's comfortable to him to have like a towel slung right. around. Maybe his shoulders. it comes from that Chicago theater stuff with yeah. big prop based acting techniques. Right. You know, you got to get, you got to immerse yourself in the blanket of uh, of distraction. And there's no solid colors for him. It's always a multicolored towel around his shoulders. I mean, he's he's yeah. In this one, he's got orange and brown. Orange and brown striped towel or something. Pankow's wearing corduroy at one point. Can't even hold, not even attaching. The viewer's eye isn't even looking at him because it's so fucking blown away already. It's like I don't even see in color anymore. Like you've, I've, I've gone through the wormhole at this point. You yeah. know, it's like it's like 2001. I don't need to see Cure Delay at this point. I've been through the fucking cosmos. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Look, you're on an island. You've right. Been, you're traveling at sea at a high rate of speed for all these many years, having gathered materials and debris from different films. And now it's time for you to take something from To Live and Die in L.A. I'm, yeah. not, man, I'm taking Peterson's voice, saying you're beautiful as my daily inspiration. Remember when he says that? He says that as a callback to Bill Defoe. So Bill Defoe says that at one point, to kind of, he says you're beautiful to him, as a, almost like a, a joke, as a shame him. Right. And then later when he thinks he's got him, he says, "You're beautiful," and then they, then they, uh, you know, they draw guns on him. But I, I mean, can you imagine waking up here in William L. Start your day with a little inspiration. I think Defoe's is more convincing, though. What do you mean? When he says you're beautiful, it's more convincing. Yeah, I know because Peterson says it like kind of sarcastic. Like right. I'll take it. Right. Because you yeah. think I won't take it? All right. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to get in the way. You can't take it. Yeah, don't get in the way. Thank you. What are you taking? I'm, I'm thinking on that. Have you ever been to JFK's memorial? Yeah, of course. All right. No. I wish. Well, if you ever, if you get, if you ever spank, this is the place. Um, pretty cool. So I have sort of a JFK memorial at on my island. The per, the perpetual flame. A sort of one. Yeah. Okay. And it's just a, it's a beautiful bronze planter and. The forever burning Bill Defoe in the island, just his forever burning. He does burn to a crisp in this, but he, you would you would catch him before. I, no, it would be per, it was perpetual. It'd be mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be it'd be sort of like if if you were to meet Willem Defoe and he was burning alive as an animated GIF mm-hmm. on a on a browser, just constantly regen, constantly refresh. And I would I would I would form a sort of semi personal religion around that. I would go to it in the night stare into it and get lost in those burning you know in those burning eye sockets sure you know first of all bills never look better secondly I think it it's it fits you know it's it's attractive it's, it's your artful. island it's for artful sure. uh, looks good smells great um, I can be seen from a distance with a marshmallow on a stick enjoying the uh, you know the combustibles sent off of his forehead, you know, roasting a cook, cooking a cooking a, a weird bird that I've caught off of his uh, top of his, you know, shoulder. Mm-hmm. So it would be a it would be a it would be a it would be an a, an effigy that I praised. It would also be my oven. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your grill or your campfire. Yeah, anything. And there's any, lots of uses, multi use. Yeah, any guests I would have. Yeah, I do. I use it for warmth. I use it for. Uh, mm-hmm. Other things, um, but guests would be there would be a certain uh, je ne sais quoi to my prepared meals. It's like I there's, a, there's something I can't place it. 
is it floral? I'm getting like a uh, something in the mouth feel. I was like, oh yeah. Sure, yeah, Burn Defoe. Yeah, it's 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 the uh, it's the remains of Willem Defoe. <laughs> 